Welcome to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, as I welcome you to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now as I welcome you to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now. Now. As I welcome you. Oh, oh boy, this thing weighs a little minute. What? It's heavy. I know. You said it weighs a minute. It's an expression. I don't think it is. It weighs a little minute. Yeah, I've heard that before. I haven't. Well, you haven't been everywhere. People use weight and time interchangeably in some places, like light year. I used to think that meant you're a couple days short of a year, like that last year you sold me was a little light. Wow. I bet artificial intelligence can't think like you. You know what Appalachian people probably don't say? A poke of pot. A poke is a sack in Appalachian dialect. We might say bag or a bag of pot or weed. Have you noticed how no one else is talking? Yeah, it felt awkward, so I was filling in the silence, like an audio doodle. Well, enough chatter. Listen to this. Uh, so no one is going to help me move this. Later, we're looking for work as movers. Listen to this. Wanted. Three movers. Wanted? Oh my God, what did we do? We literally haven't even moved anything yet. Well, Hardy has. Thanks. No, it means that they're doing the wanting. Wanted, passive voice to save dollar per line length. Three movers for moving job. Are you a mover but not a shaker? My grandpa was a shaker. Then move on up to how moving movers, now hiring. So they say they want movers, but do they need them? Are we indulging something unhealthy? We need work, and that's work. But is it? Yeah, I think so. Moving company hiring movers. Not sure it's high-paying work, but you're a big, strong guy and can do the work for all of us. So essentially, we got you a job at triple the salary. I'm psyched. Apply in person at the old job mansion. Why does everybody use that spooky old castle to hire people for stuff? It gives the impression they want our bodies for experiments. No one wants your body for experiments. Or mine. Yours they might want because your skull is so little. All right. Gilligan's Island explored a lot of complex philosophical themes, accidentally, I believe, like problems of identity, happiness, and time. They literally did a Rashomon episode, and I started a rumor that one of them was written by Beckett. I'm going to use my mind to move us all to the door of the Castle Job Center. We should walk. It's literally right next door, and it's a nice day. It's literally on the other side of this opaque veil, which I shall pass through using my chi. And I'm going to take all of you with me. Butchie, when you do that, we're, okay, we're there. It's easier not to ask permission and then to bully people afterwards. Ring the bell. Me? Or me? Hardy, you ring it. Why me, though? It's right next to your hand. Oh, brother, one of you ring it. Well, why not you? You started this ringing stuff. 
There's a Taoist tale, maybe in Shuangsa, that says the aforementioned sage journeyed to Lao Tzu's house, but once he got on the front porch, he was like, I'm good. I don't even have to disturb Lao Tzu. And he turned around and went home. Butchie, ice cream? I don't mind if I do. You guys? Yes, you rang? Uh, no, no one rang. Oh, who are you, no one? Is this a Greek myth? I'm Cyclopes, the butler. You must be Ulysses, the mover. Um, I'm Hardy, the broadcaster. Broadcaster? We'll go seed your fields. W.C. Fields? Who is this, Penelope? I'm told I look more like a Marjorie. We're here about the moving job. You don't look strong enough to move your own bowels. Now listen here, buddy. Come in. I'll announce you. If there's a music option, I usually come out to the Numa Numa song. He's going to tell the interviewer or manager or whoever that we're here. I've been here a million times, but this old place never ceases to creep me out. Walk this way, gentlemen. If you say follow me, it'll cut down on people mocking your gait. Ah, Inspector, come right in. Inspector? We're here about the moving job. Murder? Why, we're right in the middle of dinner. What is the meaning of this? Uh, the meaning is we saw your ad in the paper for movers, and we need a job. Father, I believe this man is insinuating that you might have something to do with this. Now see here, Inspector. I've had quite enough of this. There seems to be a mistake. We're here about the job for movers wanted for moving company. It was in the paper. You aren't hearing what we're saying, are you idiots? Surely you don't think that I knew the girl. And even if I did, I certainly didn't have anything to do with her. Fruit crispy fun cereal. You needn't be so blunt, Inspector. I'm no reality expert, but I feel there's a little disconnect between what we're doing and how we see ourselves and how we are being perceived by this Edwardian family. Agreed. My plan is this. I'm going to run from here, out the door, and away from this house. Why not use your transport power, Butchie? What if that's what caused all this? No, I'm going to go do a surroundings check. We better leave all at once, or the inspector in their reality might come apart. All right. One, two, three. Inspector, where are you going? <gasps> His leg has fallen off. Oh, sorry, I didn't know we were going on three. I'm coming. Morality and time travel. There is a story in the Bible, it's a story that's related to a law, that says if you see something on the side of the road that belongs to your neighbor, you can't pretend you didn't see it to get out of doing something about it. So let's say you see their ox or their sweater, or more likely, their ox wearing a sweater, perhaps that he stole from their farm. Now, you might say, I took the side of the ox, and I was like, be free. You were a beast of burden, and I am un, you know, I have no obligation to return you if you're just going to suffer. But let's say it's a watch or something like that that belongs to your neighbor. You can't unsee it. So now, as a time traveler, I can move into the future, and I see events. Now, I can't go back to my old time or whatever time I was in or the past or whatever it is now. The minute I leave it, it's the past, so that confuses things. I have no present. I'm sorry. You said don't bring any. 
But then did you mean that? Did you ever go to a party that says that? It says no, no presence. And you go, that's going to be interesting. The party's in the future right now. But as the date approaches, it's going to be harder and harder not to, in some way, conjure the presence. I cannot unsee the things I learn in the future as I careen towards them with that inability to do anything about it. So it's like, I want to see what's coming up. A waterfall. Oh, good. Now you go into the past and you live there with the albatross vision of a waterfall that is now overlapping all your sight. So you look out and you see something beautiful, happiness, like a couple puppies playing. And all you see is a waterfall, all of them going over the waterfall. So there's a problem. If you see something coming now, there is such a thing as foresight. Now, I have a couple times I've seen people do things, and you say, well, I saw them coming a mile away. Have you ever seen anything like that? Say, I know. You could have avoided that. You must have purposely put on blinders so that you could do a thing without pretending you didn't know the consequences. Now, there came a man named Ablabanza, and Ablabanza thought that he could put out his inner vision. I will blind myself on the inside, he said, and therefore I will not be obligated to do anything because I will see nothing. And so he put out his inner eye with um, some sort of caustic, it wasn't Lysol, I don't know, this is a myth, I don't know what they had back, a kind of berry that you're not supposed to eat, but he rubbed it in his, not his literal eyes, oh my word, he wouldn't do that. Now that I've become uh, more used to life and I'm sort of settling in, I am becoming terrified. And the reason is maybe I'm seeing things more clearly. I have had some of the veils of illusion lifted. And I was being protected. My ignorance was protecting me like a benevolent grandma. I didn't want you to see all of the world yet. Thank you, Meemaw. I wanted to protect your innocent soul from the ugliness. Thank you. And so I, what I would do is I put a burlap sack over your insight and your perception. Thank you for hiding me like that. But now I will thrust you alone into the cold universe, unprepared, all right, and pampered without any courage. Well, I really appreciate you sparing me that for so long, though. And now I look at life and I'm terrified. And so really what I need to do and what um, a lot of people that I know are saying, hey, how can I have just a minimum of psychological comfort as I lose myself in an in inward-facing fantasy life and I just kind of collapse in on myself like a psychological black hole. And what's at the center of that, of what's beyond the event horizon of your grief and despair? Oh, it's maybe it's a little room somewhere where you once felt secure. And you're going to have to evoke that in your imagination. I'll bring that back. What, what do I imagine? Well, let's say it's a room you had as a child and you had a little black and white television set. Even though color ones had been around for a while, I don't know. They didn't love you. And, no, we all had, we, who had black and white sets? I don't know. We didn't have a television set, Hardy. We didn't have, there wasn't, 
We had a television, but there wasn't a television yet. Didn't exist. Oh, but my father had one because he was in the military. And they had televisions years before there was any TV because they used them in the war to look at submarines. All right. I don't know what you're saying. Well, we had one. And then when the first thing that ever was broadcast, uh, and it was Milton Berle was on the moon, and he said, I love you kids, and his head exploded. And everybody was frightened for generations. I don't remember. I'm too young to remember that. But I remember things like Gunsmoke. It was in repeats. Gunsmoke was originally conceived of as 16-hour movies. And they just broke them up for the series. There was going to be a whole movie called Festus. Just called Festus. He's in a later one after Chester. So Festus is an anagram. Chester gets his molecules scrambled. I'm sorry with all the nostalgia. But I want to journey back to that place, that little room, Good Night Moon, you know that book. That's one of the first books that we had in my book club. It was that and some pinch-on thing, I don't remember. But the moon one stuck with me. And said, Good Night Moon, Good Night Man with the Brass Spittoon, Good Night uh, Skinny One Who can croon good night um maroon fool or something i don't remember a lot of it it wasn't really the exact words that stuck with me it was the idea that you could say good night almost endlessly if you chose to address every object in the room now a lot of you remember the waltons and then the later animated version the waltoons which was terrible but the Waltons at the end, they would all say goodnight to one another. And what it was is a lesson on permutations. It's like, what a, how many permutations? What it was, it was based on a, a mystical Jewish meditation where you put every, uh, every consonant against every vowel or something. Ba, 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 like that, infinitely. When you see how many words you can get. So what they say would say, good night, John boy, good night, mama, good night, so-and-so. Then they'd say it in a different order. I don't know how many. And so what they would end up saying, good night, 151 times, but there was just eight of them. And that's just mathematics. And so you would have uh, a, the farmhouse represents what? All the different dimensions. It's funny how that finally our imaginations have exceeded reality. Because before, I don't think that was the case. Oh, reality is so much more complex than anything we can imagine. And now I'm thinking I'm that with the new Doctor Strange movie and everything. Mm, well, I think reality is not as weird as some of the movies they have now. It can't be. Oh, it's so strange. It was, I don't know. Is it though? It can't be. Because it can. It can never be as as sort of like uh, rococo as the as the art. There's just too much. I would some if there is a god or anything. God would go. Oh, that's too. Uh, that's too much. And so yes, I think always the real world's going to be more conservative or or kind of um, 
more regal or something. I don't know, just have a, the way it comports itself, reality. It's always has its, like, right? Am I right? What are you talking about? I don't actually know. And one of the reasons that I'm allowed to speak with you, I believe, is that there's no agenda. And what I mean by agenda is if you have to submit something in advance, like a flight plan, it'd be turned down. So what I do is I say, well, there is, I guess there is no flight plan. And then that is a cover for just chaos and erratic behavior. But is it? Sometimes there seems to be no point to what I'm saying, but other times it's just as clear as can be. For instance, you know um, in the beginning I was wanted to talk about um, Priestley. I think his name is Priestley's Time Plays, including Time and the Conways and An Inspector Calls. Now, I'm very fascinated with these plays because they are based on a strange concept of time that I believe to be baloney, or what I call baloney time. No, there's, there is an idea among some that time is just all overlapped and that the present and the past are all in the together, or the future and the past are all wrapped up together in the present, and that you somehow you can tap into them if you have, I don't know what it is, It'd be something I couldn't do. I, if people were starting to tap into the future and the past, say, oh, I could, it'd be like Magic Eye or Wordle or something. It wouldn't be something I could get. Go, oh, I'm trying to do it. I can't. I'm stuck where I am. Oh, you ought to go. Have you been in the future recently? No, I'm too stupid. That's how I'd feel. So oh, you got to really work on it. If you kind of just cross your eyes just a little bit. I can't say it. And nor can I even see the past because that requires memory. And sometimes my memory is inadequate. How do you know? How can you test it? Go to school. They'll evaluate it for you. I came up as average, which you'd think they would get you through. It's like, oh, can I keep going? No. Why? Well, we're trying to, you're the type we're trying to weed out. That's what I felt like school was. The school, graduate school is actually school, and what we're here to do is just weed you out. Okay. So we're just looking for average people. But isn't every, but isn't, that, like, isn't most people average? So it felt, I don't really like think they're looking for exceptional people. They're just trying to exclude the average. I just drank some water because I thought in all the years I've been on, I never take, how do you talk for an hour without taking a drink of water? And I realized I was probably doing a bad thing. What I was doing is I was encouraging people's spittle to become pasty, to become like papier-mâché glue and seal, maybe seal their lips together or something like that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be responsible for that sort of thing. So don't, don't wash your mouth out with, um, with cornstarch and water or something like that because then if, you get, if it gets warm, you'll have a mouthful of glue. Or glue mouth. Now some people say, "Oh, I wish, <clears throat> I wish my partner or something's mouth would glue." No, you don't. That's a horrible thing. There was lots of cruel humor when I was a kid. Say, so, "Oh, my spouse. I wish my spouse would, you know, their head would fall off or something." I don't know what they'd say, but it'd be cruel. 
Like, I wish I'd never gotten married. It made you not want to love anybody. So what is going on with all these all these people? But there was a lot of humor. I just remember a lot of middle, like uh, cartoons of like middle-aged drunken couples going, oh, I hate my spouse. I thought, man, what a sad existence. Is that necessary? Maybe it's a product of all the... It's funny because it would be on bar things, you know. It would be my grandparents' coasters or something. And I'd like, y'all take the hint. It's the booze, I think. That's destroying it. It'd be so, it should be somebody you love, but you're both, maybe you're so both wrapped up in the booze that's wrecking everything. And now that the grim humor that you're passing on to the children. So I don't know what the Lockhorns intended or what have you, but good grief. I want to see something. What kind of funny, the funny papers had some good relationships and then they didn't. I didn't like the peanuts. There was no adult supervision, so that was I didn't like that. You know that scared me, and I don't think I don't think the dog should be f- flying on a, on a wooden thing. I know it's a farm. I don't even think it's a farm. I don't know. I just like the only thing I really here's the thing about the peanuts funny thing is I just really like the the what Vince Guaraldi is that how I say his name the composer that does the music for the cartoons. But the visuals I could do without. So maybe I just like Latin jazz. And now I just associate it with, and I like the, the legume, the, the actual peanut. I'm not, I'm so blessed to not be allergic to it. Thank goodness. Because there's so many things I like to do with peanuts. I primarily eat them. But not necessarily. I mean, I'm sure there's other things. I don't know if they literally used pack of peanut shells. And I'll ask my producer. Hey, producer. Yes, I am the robot producer. That's a new character I'm doing. Robot producer. Um, Do they used to use actual peanut shells to pack things? I don't know, but there was a bar, some bar with a peanut theme that had shells all over the floor. Thank you for reminding me about that. And they gave out roasted peanuts to eat. Where was that? And then you'd walk on the peanuts. I know you're not supposed to be barefoot in a bar, but then that would take it that's be, take it right off the table, though. You could never be barefoot in a bar that was, where the floor was covered with roasted peanut shells. I, I, I guess if they were boiled peanuts. Now, I lived and grew up in the South, and what we know is that sometimes you, will, you drive it on the side of the road and someone will have a cauldron. A lot of times they're a sorcerer. But they'll have a cauldron, and you pull over, and you go, what is that? And they go, oh, it's oh, it's ju- the boogers of giants. But it'd really be goober, goober peas, boiled peanuts. And they are the color of do, like, a, like doo-doo or something. I don't know what happens to them when you boil them. But, um, and they're in the shell, and they're boiled in salty water, and they're all soft, and you, and then you, I don't, or maybe they found them in the ocean. That's another thing, too. They have the same flavors, like sometimes bales of marijuana would wash up on the shore in Florida. And I, I don't know whether these peanuts are like that. Oh, these are peanuts. They dropped them out of a plane, and they found them, and they found them in, on, um, like, a Mexico beach or something. They found them at Panama, Be- Panama City, and, they, and um, then they're selling them on the side of the road. No, they boil them on, on purpose. And then you eat the, and they're good. I like them. I can eat a lot of them. 
I can eat them till I'm sick. There's a lot of things I can eat till I'm sick. That's interesting. I haven't I haven't had my dog DNA done, but I, I suppose it's going to come back hound, mainly. Because my hound, I don't give my hound things that are inorganic. But when I do, he gets through them, or they get through him, which is miraculous. But my hound is like that. Just all, I'm going to eat it all, and then let you just, don't you worry. I'll let my gut worry about sorting it out. I eat them all, let gut sort it out, is what uh, what my hound dog says. The funny thing is that when I'm talking, my, my hound dog is talking to me, it's, Lou's, it's in Lou's voice. So if you're at my house and you'd hear, I'm ready to eat, you'd think Lou is ready to eat. But it's me doing an impression of, of Lou. I remember having a discussion with a friend and said are impressionists does that is that satanic and they go well that's no nonsense and they go no think about it though and i would ask my friend i said what do you feel when you hear an impression and uh, like an impressionist doing impressions and my friend said i feel like i want to murder i want to murder or i want to hurt or do violence and i thought i said why do you think that is I mean, because they're just up there going, this is William Shatner. And then they do like, you know, dun, 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 dun. why do you think that makes you angry? And they go, well, I don't know. It just, no, it just, it's like a, they said it's like a cheese grater on my, on my, on my face, on my aesthetic face, which is inside. It's part of your soul, all soul parts. Did you learn the parts of your soul when you were going to religious school? Oh, the soul consists of many parts. It's divided into five compartments, and they are as follows. Aesthetic. And sexual. And commerce. No, I don't know. I'm making it up now. Um, I don't know the parts of the soul. I, I, maybe they are. Someone, there's always an expert on something spiritual. I've had people do that with all sorts of things. Someone lectured me as the type of aliens, the different types of aliens, different types of ancient Atlantans that I didn't know about. And they got, you know, and they, they say, stop funning about things that you don't know about. You're making fun about things that you don't know about and uh, about which I'm an expert, sir. So do not contradict me. So I try not to contradict anybody. And I let's say, go ahead and you tell me all about this thing that you know about. And I'm going to nod and you'll ne never know what that means. Well, that's because I, I mean, probably I love you. But I also might be pretending because I'm scared. So I don't, who knows? I just want to leave myself an out there. Um, I'm trying to self-preserve. I'm not much of a, I'm not treacherous. That's all I'm going to say. Are you honest? I'm not treacherous. So if I'm, if I'm dishonest, it is not for gain. It's for protection. So why are you wearing a bulletproof vest? Do you, you, you expect violence? Well, I mean, I'm not, it's a bulletproof vest, not a gun. So you, that, that's the way I look at it. Oh, sometimes, and I have a mixed relationship with the truth anyway. I'm never sure exactly what it is. 
I've been overly scrupulous about what I think is true, and then it's not been true at all. It's just been self-deception. So I don't know. And facts, some of them I know them when I see them, like uh, the names of pasta. It's a pretty universal, you know. I don't doubt that that shape is really named that or something. I don't know. I, there's lots of things, like thousands of millions of examples like that. But then there's nuanced things, you know, about love and compassion and everything, and they're really kind of complicated. And so instead of thinking about them, I turn them in to a sort of song. And won't you sing that with me now? Come on. First, I'll bully you into doing this thing. Never be bullied into doing something that's, that's your first uh, your first inclination is your first thought is this is humiliating you're probably right so let's say you're on a cruise ship or something and and they're trying to hector you into a undignified act don't succumb to the to the pressure go absolutely no and if you keep going i'm gonna start hitting that's what i would say so that anything like that so i'm not very good at volunteering for can we get somebody up on stage? You know, don't put your hand off me. I'm not coming up there. I'm not going to act like a chicken. This is not worth it to me. It's not that I, I'm, I think I'm going to run for office at some later date. I just don't, I don't care to, I don't want attention that badly. Things that I wouldn't mind getting attention for. Uh, mistakenly, I, that'd, be, that'd be the best. Then it wouldn't go to my my soul. I would like to get an award accidentally because I shared the same name as somebody. So, oh, you, you know you're getting an Academy Award. Really? Yes, because your, your IMDB page got all messed up and they're giving it to somebody with the same name. And because you're not, a, you're not union, um, there's a mix-up in everything. See, norm, normally the union would weed that out and it'd just be one of you. Oh, that'd be that. I take that award. Say, okay, give it to me. But uh, other than that, no, I don't want. I wouldn't want any recognition. Really, it's terrible for you. It really is bad. And um, well, how do you know you're succeeding at something? Well, why do you need to know? Really, I remember that there was a one time. Uh, I was thinking, why does the backup camera not work on the car except when you're backing up? Because you don't need it. And you'd be looking at it all the time. First of all, if you're going forward, you don't need to see what the... you got a rearview mirror and everything. How helpful would it really be? And you don't need one on the front of the car because you've got the windshield. I don't know. I don't know. Here's how I get... I don't need to look at any direction when I'm driving. I won't... I, my new thing is not driving. My car. That you say things like, my car died, but it didn't die. It's a machine. It just stopped working. It broke. It broke bad. And it broke so bad I couldn't sell it almost. I had to sell it for just its brokenness. And uh, now I decide, and I don't, leaving me with no money to get another car, to replace a car, because you can't, I don't know if you've looked nowadays, but they're very expensive. And I guess I could get something that required, like, you know, seats. 
or something like that. But short of that, I'm not, I'm now I'm down to walking. We don't have a lot of public transport. The way I get around this is just I'm shutting down my desire. So I don't need, do I really need to go anywhere? That's what I'm trying to think. If I can't walk there, maybe I don't need to go there. And a lot of things are walking distance if you walk really far. So, and what else are you going to do, really? So, uh, so there you go. I'm not con- contributing. I've done something noble accidentally. I've been forced into it. But now I won't be contributing anymore. A little bit I will, because I still just... I can't stop myself, but I make big gasoline fires in the backyard. I just love it. I just love it. I'll get gallons and gallons of gasoline and make enormous fires. You can see them from space. And I don't know whether it's the smell. I love the smell. It smells like taxi cabs in the city. And um, I guess I do a lot of things that are bad for the environment. I have a big uh, dirty motor oil hose that I spray all over. I do it as a joke. But I guess at the end of the day, it's very bad for everyone, not just me. No, I don't do any of those things, but I'm sure I do contribute. Everybody. And it's hard to face your, you know, to, to, um, oh gosh, there's, you know, sins of omission. There's sins of uh, not being strong enough, aren't there? And they can really wear you down. And then you don't know what to forgive yourself of because you think, if I forgive myself too much, am I a psychopath? Am I a narcissist? How much self-torture is necessary to atone for things? And I say this. I say you should go exercise probably because that's all heavy stuff you're talking about. And it's nothing that can't wait till after a good walk. Where should you walk? Probably to a psychiatrist or to a church and ask them and not the rate. Are you asking me? Probably weren't even asking me. I sometimes think that my opinion has been asked for and it hasn't. That comes from, oh gosh. My, my, I've modeled myself, you know, on older relatives. And then, and then you get older and you go, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. I should have evolved. And, um, you have to then you have to change. You know, oh gosh, I can't be these these uh you know, God bless the older people in my family and everything. But there's just sometimes society's not asking for my opinion and I don't know why I think they have. I'm hearing things. I always hear things. Tell me what you think, Hardy, since you have no particular expertise or passion about the subject. Why, I think in my opinion, if anybody should ask for it, I believe that a man has an obligation to blah, 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 And I'm making it up as I'm saying it. I'm glad that my opinion is not often asked for. It's often asked for in a really cynical sort of way by businesses that could tell us about your experience. I will tell you about my experience at a car dealer. So I drove to a town that shares the name of a town with another town. Which town? Two towns. One's abroad. The other's a movie with Harry Dean Stanton. His best. His best movie. I, I think. He thinks that. He thought that. Everyone thinks that. I went to this Kentucky town that has that name. And I went to a car dealer. 
I don't want to say the name of the dealer because I'm going to say my friend's name. I'm already going to say too much. And I went in the dealer, and they have more used cars. They tout this. They say, we have more used cars than are there are dead people on earth. <gasps> That's quite a number. So basically more used cars than anybody, than the number of people who have lived. And then um, I, I don't know how many salesmen they have. I don't know what the student-teacher ratio is there. But it's one of those places I won't go on because I'm going to say my, my, my friend's name because there's no... Anyway, I have a, a, someone I've known not over the years, an acquaintance, who I've always been fond of, and, and actually um, he worked on uh, Adult Swim little interstitial things he's out there helping out and he's selling cars now and i didn't see anything i liked and everything and since um he's a friend i was allowed to go without being imprisoned or anything but he sells these uh cars there and um they're souped up chargers that have like 600 horsepower they're muscle cars, and I believe they have. They might have human muscle in them, and uh, that's how they make them. So they take these chargers or challengers, and they'll put a kit on them, and they're called Hellcats. So he's the number one salesman for this, and he'll set you up with one if you want one. And there's certain type of uh, mainly males who really need one of these. More than, let, let's say, child support payments or a house. And so they go to this uh, salesman who has a long hair and a long beard. And um, they said his nickname is Hellcat Jesus. And he will save you. not Well, probably some money, too, and, and set you up with one of these things. So the other, I went to see Hellcat Jesus, and I didn't want one, um, and I don't want any car right now, and now I really don't want cars. You ever see so many? It just inured me to it or something. It was like seeing too, that, that was too graphic, Papa. All right, well, pretend you didn't see it. There's too many cars. I can't, a car's been ruined for me now. Pretend you didn't see it. That's a, that's a reenactment of my papa on golf. I saw too much. I've seen so much golf, I hate it. Stop saying that. But now I don't want one. I think I'm content to not drive for a while. And say, oh, you're off as part of the internet and you're not going to drive. What are you dying? Slowly, I guess so. <laughs> I'm just old. <laughs> I just want to get my priorities straight a little bit. I don't want to be um, a slave of anything. No, I, no volunteer slavery. As the other day, I told you I had a dream uh, with, uh, with Rasan. And um, well, he wasn't in the dream. Merv Griffin was in the dream. But it was a positive dream. And I took it as a sign. I take things as signs, largely. It's, oh, you could say that's magical thinking. But all, all thinking is magical. So uh, I just try to make sense of it and then um, 
have my have myself not feel tortured too much. A little bit is okay as bracing. I figured, like, psychologically, I'd go by the sort of the cold water test. You know, you jump in really freezing water, and it really won't kill you. It just wakes you up past a point where you want to be awake. And I feel like that's way with psychological pain. You know, I, do I know the difference between boiling water and freezing water? You know, one is just shocking. I guess you could die from the shock. But one is will burn you up and t- kill you. That's the bad kind of pain. So I try to, the one I can endure, I try to increase my capacity for it. But I also like comfort. I love little, ba- I like warm bath water is going to be my preference. So I'm always, I hope that I'm being tepid for you. Said I can't stand that tepid, lukewarm, hearty white water. Hardy Whitewater, have you ever gone on one of those trips? It goes fast, real fast. You're strapped into the raft. Are you, though? You want to be able to bounce out of it. Don't strap yourself to the raft. When my grandfather gave me a tiny book of poems by Longfellow, one of them was The Wreck of the Hesperus, and that captain, he had lashed his young daughter to the mast during a storm, and there she stayed, dead as can be, at the conclusion of the storm. And he said, why did I lash her to the mast? And I don't even remember why I did it. Maybe he got washed over. I don't remember anything in the story, but the little match girl and a skeleton in armor. All these things scared me equally as a child. Now they all mush together in one big terror. And I'm, I'm glad and I'm a better person for it. No, I don't know if I am. I don't know if the person I would have turned out to be had I not turned out to be who I am. And that's not even a turnout sort of thing. It's still ongoing until it's not. And then it's over. And that is comforting in a way. It is with the show. I love it. When I start, you know, it's just the every show, every one-hour show is a metaphysm, I call it, like a meta-euphemism, therefore. It represents, it's an allegory for life itself. You know, you start with what seems like an infinite amount of time. You begin with a great energetic enthusiasm for all the possibilities, and with each tick of the clock, the possibilities diminish The time shortens. Your directions, the permutations, everything shrinks, the world shrinks. Everything becomes smaller until you're looking at that clock and you're saying, when will the end even get here? And you'll always have 10 minutes more than you thought you did. That's why they have those predatory ads for old people on television. Are you still alive? I am too. It's me again. Are you ready to get sick and old? (laughs) Call now. Call out to your God now. (laughs) Give him your zip code. Say, oh, Lord, this is where I'm located. What part of the care will you provide? What part? A, B, C, what do I deserve? What is my grade? Where is the sucker that my soul desires in my dotage? 
and you hear nothing. Just the cackle of the elderly celebrity selling you something. One foot in the grave, one hand outstretched. Ha <laughs> ha, call now. Call now. Time is ticking. You soon will be of no use to commerce. You will be of no use to television commercials. Once you are gone, you must call now. We must squeeze out of you all the material belongings you have. You won't need them where you're going. Go ahead and reverse that mortgage right now. You might as well give me all of your possessions right now when you're alive, poor Meemaw, because when you're gone, you won't get to enjoy the expression on my face, the expression of gratitude, as I receive all of your worldly belongings, as I receive your resources. Thank you so much. Here's some matches. Go sell them on the street with your granddaughter like you're a grim. I have the opportunity to speak with you every week. And what do I do? Well, I believe I fritter. My grandmother would make something called corn fritters. And she would do that after we had fresh corn on the cob. She would buy too much of it. She would cook it. And then with the leftover corn on the cob, she would cut it off the cob, scrape it off the cob with a sharp knife, take that, do something to it and fry it in the form of these corn fritters. Now, if the water had too much, if the corn kernels had too much water in them, they would explode in the oil. This happened once, one time, showering hot, uh, scalding oil upon my grandmother's arm, on her skin, which at the time seemed to me as thin as the membrane on a thinly membraned thing or almost like saran wrap or something. And she wasn't even old at the time. But anyway, it scalded her skin real bad and, and my grandfather took her to the hospital and I watched something on television, I, I assume. I'm going to go watch MASH because nobody's here. I don't know what happened. And did she make them again? That's the thing. I don't remember that. And I remember talking to my mother about that. Did did she ever make those corn fritters again in my mother's I don't remember neither one of us did you wonder if that was an accident enough whether frittering whether you get that time back you don't if it's been frittered so why do I just broadcast it freely why do I scatter it because it's seeds it's seeds. That's what you do. Well, you could plant them really carefully, or preserve them, or, or worse, as you eat them. Um, um, why does eating seeds pass on? I got a song stuck in my head, and I can't remember. So I'm gonna think. Um, don't remember it. Anyway, sorry. It'll come to me. But it was about eating eating seeds or something. It was a pastime. Why don't generals go to war or something like that? It's really angry. That's a good point. But generals do go, do general go to war. I don't remember if they go to war or not. Or is it politicians that don't? Somebody doesn't. Who does the fighting? 
Well, I'd say you and me, but I'm aging out a little bit. I get I'm I would not fare well in violence right now, I'm sure. And so and no and no human being ever does, really. Oh, it's the horror of horrors. It's a rough life. It's a hard knock one. Here we go. Now we're going to do a musical number like it's Cabernet. All come out and sing because it's chutzpah. I saw one the other day and they were dancing to say something about it. We should have chutzpah. And that's fine. That's good. I don't have any songs like that. I sing to advance a certain concept or word. Maybe I'd say be be as gentle as yourself as you need. Um, I'd be hard on yourself when, uh, for instance, when you ask yourself hard questions like, "Am I holding up the line?" Things like that. That's okay. And you say, "Oh, but it hurts me. I, I'll get embarrassed." That's okay. Get embarrassed. That's fine. And but save it for times where you're save the embarrassment when you're working towards a, solving a moral dilemma not when you're at a show with an impressionist magician who just wants you to act like a chicken that's what i'm saying you think i'm not saying anything but i'm tying it up i'm pro-dignity and life will make you feel undignified enough just in sorting out the problems of compassion and justice and there's no reason to add or just to be preemptively undignified in my opinion and you just you you are willing to put up with more uh, other nonsense i think when you put yourself down and you're willing to be a worse person so there's all these kind of consequences to beating up on yourself that are unintended usually so well, i'm not harming anybody else but what if you were though and you do you always harm the people that love you I'm always surprised on social media. I'll see somebody say something about themselves, and you, and you think, well, I'm your friend. You're sitting there talking about all your, your friends. Are, I, thought, I thought I was your friend. I didn't know I wasn't doing a good job, or I knew I wasn't doing a good job. I never am really doing a good enough job. But um, I'm loving the best I can, and uh, I want you to feel loved. And if, if maybe you're not fooling yourself enough or something, I don't know. Here's some wool. Pull it over your eyes. Isn't it warm? I am self No one ever, they don't want to do that and uh, encourage that in church, but I don't think it'd be bad. Say, I, I would do a hymn. I'm going to have a hymn called Healthy Self-Deception. I am walking in my own light. Healthy self-deception i imagine magical places i think it would be fine i imagine there's a kingdom boom boom and i am in it i imagine i am walking with the thrumming um what's more important the words or melody who knows i like the rhythm just give me a beat I don't need any any hook on this beat. I just need the headphones. And now I'm quoting somebody. I know I am. So I'm just shouting out to St. Louis. That's who I'm. What I'm. 
all about is saying things and saying names of towns. I'm just going to do that from now on. Atlanta! Like that. And everybody go, I'm on the message board, they'll, you know, Atlanta, I know Atlanta. And the comments always say, let me say another town. Um, Port Arthur. Um, Vienna, Georgia. Um, what was it? I'm trying to think of some other towns. Wakulla, Florida. Um, what's, I can't think of it anymore. Isn't that weird? You think it's Santa Monica, Santa Santa area, Santa um, Santa something, California, Santa Reno, Santa Maria, Santa San Alarano, Santa Alarantes, Santa Santa Fe. Santa Fe, New Mexico, that's New Mexico. Anyway, there's a bunch of saints out there. Why is that? I wonder how they, I think it has something to do with cowboys, but I can't put two and two together. I know a lot of cowboys went out there, and I suppose they were all Catholic and Spanish somehow. Well, um, TV doesn't get everything right. Some of it's just, it can't be, it's not literal history like religious texts. Are are they? Are they true? Are they real? I don't know, friend. I'm one of the few people in the media, and this is absolutely a medium. Say what you want about WFMU. It is not small, nor is it large. It's truly a medium, and it's not rare, and it's not well done. So it is medium. Uh, and I'm one of the few people in that medium who doesn't advocate or say really anything. Now you say, oh, I know the news does that too. No, they, they say something. Come on, that's just, that's just one of those things that people say that's not true. <laughs> it's politicians. But... Um, I, I say nothing, and I do that with, on purpose, and I do that with great uh, sense of gravity. It is very important not to say anything. It is very important for me not to obviously advocate, but to obscurely persuade. And how do I do this? Well, it, it was Epicurus who said something like live obscurely. And what did Epicurus mean? Well, we're not so sure. But I believe he also said fava bean stalks uh, have the souls of the dead pass through them, so don't eat them. And things like that. So I don't know exactly whether I can trust everything that Epicurus says, but we are more than just our the fragments. Also, it could be Heraclitus. When I said fragments like that, I, that made me think. Maybe, maybe the fragments of my thought will be available someday. To the Greeks of the future. 
Oh, my friends, I hope that your heart right now, though it be broken, maybe maybe it's worn down, maybe it feels like it's somebody's rubbed it raw. Oh, I tell you, as another human being alive at the same time, I understand, my friend, I feel the same sense of confusion, of humiliation, of vulnerability, of pain, of fear that you do. But when we're together, boy, we can lock hands and we can magically lift ourselves up. We have, an, if you have kept your inner, inner self, your inner mansion clean, if there is a beauty within it, you can always retreat there. Oh, keep that inside beautified. I will help you and I will dwell there with others who have entered your memory in a beautiful, sublime way that we present ourselves in one another's lives and become characters for eternity. And there we, we dwell just like denizens of a children's puppet land like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood or something. So I won't be your King Friday. Scintillate, scintillate, diminutive stellar orb. How inexplicable is thy presence in the universe, etc. I am a monarch, and I sentence you to death. No, he never said that, did he? Oh, 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 oh actually, oh, I don't want to. X going to give it to you. Uh, crazy place, but I won't be there and make you feel good. A little bit. Lift your soul up. I'm going to rub it. Look, it's got some dirt on it. Let me. Oh, I'm blowing it off and I blew your hat off too. But this is great. I'm a clown. And like some clowns, sometimes I, I, I don't intend to do harm, but I might make you lose your hat. And I'm so sorry if I do. I was just trying to have a laugh. Nobody's supposed to get hurt. At the end of the day, your hat is not a person. So I'm sorry if I ever blow your hat off. I will never, I'll never hurt you, not willingly. I do care about people I don't know. I do care what people think. I do care. Like I don't, you know, you don't have the key to my heart or <laughs> you can't come in and do damage, but I, I do care. I do care. Oh, my friends, this is the end of things. Just the show, really. And you are listening to... WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County in New York City, New York, and online at WFMU.org worldwide. My goodness, I am so blessed and happy to have you as friends, and I will see you again next week.
name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Her twin's name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Her twin's name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Her twin's name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Her twin's name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Her twin's name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Her twin's name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Her twin's name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Her twin's name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Her twin's name was Ebony. You know I wanted to be perfect for him. I said, Blank is beautiful. Just keep getting up. Together we can make it. It's gonna be all right. Forget about what society says is or isn't or what can or cannot be. Keep getting up. He quit his job. Came home one day with 14 mirrors. Some Afro sheen, some Afro clean, some Afro fluid, some Afro do it to it. Go sit up in the room and look at the black beautiful. Check out the boy, mother's love, mother's love. I said, well, my darling, I, 
I hate to get in your business, you know what I mean? But, uh, I mean, what about a job? I mean, what about the gas and the electricity? And, and, well, not that I am equating a job with your manhood, you understand, but I mean, you did have a choice in this. He said, I got to get myself together. I'm tired of working for somebody else. I made me uh, take out a small businessman's loan and open up a hedge. But that's not bringing no money in I mean yeah. He said you working ain't you Get off my back I don't know I, I, You see I wasn't raised like that y'all I mean I figure if I got to get up And, and go to work every day Then I, every able bodied in the household Is supposed to get up and go At least looking oh, I know it ain't easy out there But uh, I said now you for some reason you feel that you can no longer be the man that I thought you were at the beginning of our relationship. Then I got this one thing to lay on you, my sweet. Go away, little boy. Why don't you just go away, little boy? You see, I am not supposed Sit up here alone in the dark with some mirrors and no money and no use. I know, I understand, I recognize the fact that your lips, oh, so sweet. Ow! But it don't look like our lips, you ain't gonna never have another chance to meet. I think I can find myself another man. Somebody who can be true So why don't you run, 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 run Away, little boy Let the dawn knob hit you Where the dog should have bit you, little boy Cause you're hurting me more Every minute that you do Thank mm-hmm. you.